hosts of Common Sense Investing have been helping their clients and listeners make sense of the markets for nearly three decades. Using a conservative, diversified, value-oriented approach to investing, they strive to make you a better educated, well-informed investor. And now here's your host, Eric Whiteman. What a great time to be a value investor, and I'm going to tell you why. Welcome to this edition of Common Sense Investing. I'm your host, Eric Whiteman, partner here at the XML Financial Group. Glad you could tune in. If you have a question for the show, you can email us at podcast at xmlfg.com. Once again, it's podcast, which is plural, at xmlfg.com. We have a great show for you today. As I said, I think it's a great time to be a value investor, and I'll tell you why in just a few minutes. But first, we're going to be talking about the market, and we're going to be doing a blast to the past, and I'll be talking about a special situation, something I haven't done in a very long time. So I'm excited about this one. Before we get rolling here, let me remind you, our annual outlook is being released this weekend. Yep, this weekend, Saturday the 27th. This year, it's navigating the path forward. It's a little less than an hour long. It's done online, so you can watch it on your computer while you're having your coffee there in the morning. It's free. It's easy. And I think we have a just a ton of good stuff to offer you this year. What I'll do is I'll spend the first part talking about the big picture, where I think we are and where I think that we might be heading. But most of our time is going to be spent on specific ideas that you might want to look at. Remember, you always need to do your own research. That's what I do. I'm a conservative value investor, and it's the fundamentals that drive my investment decisions. I don't try to read the tea leaves and time the markets. All you have to do is register, and I made that easy for you. All you do is you go to xmlfg.com. That's our website. You can learn more about us there. And what you do is you'll see a banner in the middle of the homepage. And from there, it's pretty simple. You don't need me to walk you through it here. Once you're registered, we'll be sending out the login information right before the release of the webinar on Saturday. Let's catch up on the markets. Equities shot up to new all-time highs last week as earnings seasons got underway. It seems like I say that every week, doesn't it? Upbeat earnings from banks have set the tone, and S&P profits are slated to register a 12% growth rate for both the fourth quarter and the calendar year 2017. We're getting a slew of earnings out this week, but so far through Monday morning, 55 companies in the S&P have reported, and about 80% of them have topped expectations. We're off to a terrific start. According to Thomson Reuters, current year's earnings estimates have been aggressively ratched higher in the last three weeks, from about 12% to about 16%. I'm guessing most of that is from analysts sitting down and recalibrating their numbers for the effects of the passage of the tax bill. I tend to agree with this because I'm sitting here and I'm going through our companies, readjusting my numbers, and I see that they're going higher. So I'm guessing earnings could drift higher 
and low to mid double digit growth doesn't seem unreasonable to me. Things seem pretty good right now. Earnings, as I said, are set to go higher. The number of stocks participating in the rally, it's expanding. Typically, you see less stocks, less sectors, less groups participating before any pullback. But it seems like everything is on the upswing. But I'll tell you, I'm a bit uneasy here. There's this eerie calm that's taking over the markets. And I'm starting to see headlines like the one I saw from Bloomberg just a little while ago that was titled, The Stock Market Never Goes Down. Yikes. I never like to see that. Looking back at the S&P, the S&P is up a thousand points since the 1800 level it registered back in early 2016. Or if I say it another way, the market has been rising by roughly 25% per year for the last two years. You know what? I think that's just unsustainable. My sense is, is that stocks are very very overextended here, and you need to be cautious. Investor sentiment has gone parabolic with the bull bear ratio reaching a level that hasn't been seen since 1987, right before the 87 crash. Margin debt, it's extraordinarily high. If we do get your typical 5 or 10% correction, I'm going to say it's probably one that should be bought. So you want to be ready, get your list ready in case we do get that opportunity. Let's step away, take a quick break. And when we come back, I'm going to tell you why it's a great time to be a value investor. And we're going to talk about a special situation. This is Eric Whiteman for Common Sense Investing. We are back in just a moment. You worked hard. You've saved and invested along the way. Now you want to make sure all your hard work pays off so you can do what matters most to you, whether it's giving back to your community or ensuring a safe, comfortable retirement. It's never too late to start planning. Now's the time to get the advice you deserve. Hi, this is Eric Whiteman of the XML Financial Group. If you want someone who can help you navigate the investment landscape, then please visit us at our website, xmlfg.com or call us at 301-770-5234. Well, thank you and welcome back to today's show. I'm your host, Eric Whiteman, partner here at the XML Financial Group. Don't forget to visit us at xmlfg.com. That's where you can register for the seminar. You can find out more about us, what we do for our day jobs. I think if you're a value investor, this is a great time. Like I said at the beginning of the show, typically value and growth go through different cycles when one is in favor and one isn't. And these cycles are usually multi-year cycles. I believe we are seeing the shift to value now. Now, there are many different types of value investors. Some look for deep value, meaning they're just looking for dirt cheap companies. The problem with that is that some of these companies, well, they deserve to be dirt cheap. They try to overcome that problem by going out and buying as many of them as they can, a hundred different stocks. And they do that knowing that some of them aren't going to make it. Some of them are going to go bankrupt. I just don't have the stomach for that. 
I look for good companies trading for less than what I think they're worth. And that seems like common sense to me. You even have people who consider GARP, GARP investing as value, growth at a reasonable price. My point is, is you have all kinds of value seekers out there. So growth and value are rather broad terms, but in very broad general sense, I think value is going to take the reins. Since the great financial crisis, value has underperformed. I think the preference of the growth style over the value style reflected the central bank's interest rate suppression, which boosted the multiples investors were willing to pay for perceived growth at the time when growth was a scarce commodity. Now that the Fed has lifted rates five times since December of 2015, and it seems to be on track to do so three more times this year. I think value should take over. Rates are going higher. If you take a gander at the S&P 500 value index and the S&P 500 growth index, you'll see that the composition is quite different. The growth index is about 40% information technology and over 17% in healthcare. Now, I do like some tech stocks. Most recently, I just talked about Cisco on the show, symbol CSCO. Apple, of course, is one of my favorites, but others, I think, have gotten too far ahead of themselves. I'm also not a huge fan of the healthcare stocks, in particular, the big drug stocks. Again, these are all generalities. Healthcare can mean a lot of different things. You have the big pharmas, biotechs, hospital stocks, medical devices, and you can go on and on. One or two of those I do like. Now, with the value index, almost 25% of it is in the financials, of which I am a big fan of, especially with higher rates on the horizon. And 12% is in energy stocks. That's another area I love right now. And I talk about those during the seminar. So the two areas that I think are going to outperform over the next year are the top two sectors within the value index. I always think that it pays to be value oriented, but especially so now. Along with this, I've become less enthusiastic about the small caps relative to the mid and large cap stocks. In short, I think rising rates are going to take their toll on the small cap stocks over time. Again, these are all generalities. I'll let the fundamentals of a company do the driving for me. Let's talk about special situations. For those of you who've listened to me over the years, you may remember that I used to do a segment on my shows called Special Situations. Well, today is the day we are bringing it back to life. This is something I do used to do now and again, and it's really a bit of a departure from the quote unquote normal value ideas I talk about. They're still value oriented. That's always going to be the case. But there's something else. There's something special about them that makes me want to talk about them. Today, it's Time Warner, symbol TWX, and it's trading just under $94, $93, $94. If you don't know, TWX, Time Warner, 
is a media and entertainment company, and they have a variety of brands that you're probably familiar with. Things like TBS, TNT, HBO, CNN, Cinemax, Warner Brothers, and they have a, a, a few others in there too. Now, the other character in this story is AT&T, symbol T. You don't need to tell me who, uh, you don't need me to tell you who AT&T is. Back in October of 2016, Time Warner agreed to be acquired by AT&T in a cash and stock deal worth $85 billion. Now, here's where it starts to get interesting. This past November, after a lengthy review, the Department of Justice, the DOJ, they filed a lawsuit to block the merger. But instead of walking away and calling it quits, AT&T and Time Warner agreed to extend the deadline for their deal until June 21st of this year. Now, the trial is expected to start in a couple of months. I think it's March 19th to be exact. So let's pop our popcorn because we're going to court to see how the drama plays out. I'm not a lawyer. I have no idea. There's been tons of stuff written on this. So I'll keep it fairly brief. That's a bit of a lawyer joke there. If you didn't catch it, keeping it brief. Anyhow, in short, the Department of Justice says that if the deal goes through, AT&T will use its control over Time Warner to force rivals to pay hundreds of millions of dollars more. It would reduce innovation and ultimately raise the cost to consumers. I think the Department of Justice is going to have a pretty high burden of proof here to substantiate these claims. And it was a bit telling to me that none of the state's attorney generals approached by the DOJ chose to join the suit when they were offered the option to do so. There's very little, very little precedent for them to block a merger of this type, a vertical type merger. Who knows? It's probably a coin toss. I don't, I have no idea. Let's call it a coin toss. Even if the merger doesn't happen, I think Time Warner is a good value here under $94. When the deal was announced, the stock was trading at about $80. Then it shot up to $104. And that's kind of where it topped out. And then it went back down to a low, to the low 90s when it was announced that the DOJ was opposed to the deal. So it's been on a roller coaster, roller coaster ride here, but it's still up 17% since the initial takeover offer. But to put that in perspective, the market is up over 30% during that time. So it's lagged the broad market and it's underperformed its peers like Disney and Fox. I think TWX is a formidable player. I look at the company and I see it has a strong portfolio of businesses, has healthy margins. They generate good free cash flow and they have a strong balance sheet. With the consensus earnings estimates for this year sitting at about six and a half dollars, well, the stock is trading about 14 times earnings, which is darn close to the bottom of the range of where it's traded over the last 15 years. Yes, it's been down lower 12, 13 times earnings, but that's also when interest rates were much higher. Relative to the market, it's about as cheap as it's been over the last 15 years. 
To me, it seems cheaper than its peers. And I think it's the overhang of the DOJ lawsuit that's causing this. But even as a standalone company, I think they'll continue to produce good numbers. So here's the special part of all this. AT&T's offer was for $107.50, half in cash, half in AT&T stock, roughly. The exact number of AT&T stocks are going to be determined by the price of AT&T during the closing period. And that's what they call a collar here. If AT&T trades below 37.41, you get a fixed 1.437 shares and it's capped at 1.3 shares if the stock is trading above 41.35. Listen, I know, I know that's all a bit wonky, but I did the math. The current value of the deal is around $107 or about 14% upside from where the stock is now. And with the stock trading near its historical lows valuation-wise, I think it offers a good risk-reward scenario. I would say you might want to consider doing this in a tax-deferred account if you can, because if the deal closes within the year, you may have some additional tax considerations since you're getting a good portion of it back in cash. Like always, you need to consult with your advisor on this. I'm an owner of TWX, and I'd be a buyer under $94. I also own AT&T. Listen, we've come up to our allotted time allocation here, so we need to step away. We'll be back next Wednesday with fresh ideas. And until then, remember, it's just as important to protect your assets as it is to grow them. Okay, you've listened to the show. Now it's time for the really good stuff. So listen up. It's the disclosures. The things I talked about during the show, well, they're just my opinion and may or may not necessarily be those of the XML Financial Group. Don't construe this as personalized advice or a solicitation to buy or sell a security. No, no. You should consult your own financial advisor to see if it's appropriate for you. It's also not a substitute for tax or legal advice. I'd suggest you get someone who's qualified in these areas so you can get the advice you deserve. When you're talking about asset allocation, diversification, rebalancing, they don't guarantee better results and they don't eliminate the risk of losses. In investing, there are no guarantees. Just because you use these strategies doesn't mean you'll outperform someone or something who doesn't. XML Financial LLC is an independent registered investment advisor.